In the previous verses, we learned something about the Bani Israel. That they claim to be the believers and the followers of the Torah and the Injil. But whenever there was something, there was some law in the Torah which they did not want to observe because they found it too difficult, then what would they do? They would go to Muhammad wasallam, seeking his verdict, seeking his opinion. But did they go to him to really take his decision and implement it? No. They went to him to see what he would say. They were looking for a particular answer. If they found that answer, they would accept it. And if they didn't find that answer, they would go away. But during this whole time, what would they do? Waste the Prophet wasallam's precious time. And in a way, disrespect him. Because it is very disrespectful that you go to somebody, take their time, present your problems before them, discuss your issue with them, seek their opinion on a particular matter, and at the end you do whatever you want to do. Has it ever happened with you? Has it ever happened with you? That somebody asks you what they should do about a particular problem that they're facing, a particular situation that's at their hand, and you tell them with your experience, based on your understanding, your knowledge, and you explain to them, and you really wish well for them. You really wish well for them. And then at the end you find out they did something else. So anyway, first of all, this was mockery of the deen. And secondly, this was disrespect to the Messenger wasallam as well. So we learned that Muhammad wasallam was given a choice that if these people come to you, it's up to you. You can make a judgment for them, and you can even choose to leave their case, not take it up. And from this we learned that every person who is asked for an answer has that choice. That if he feels that the person is sincere, he really wants an answer, then in that case he should help them. He should respond to them. He should give them an answer. But if he feels that he's just walking around wasting people's time, then a person should be wise and save his time and use it in other beneficial things. But in these verses, we also learned that the people of the book are being reprimanded. That what is this? You have your book. You say that you believe in it. You say that you follow it. And here is a man who is the messenger of Allah, and you say he's a liar. And yet, when you want an answer, you go to him. What is this? This doesn't make sense. You're contradicting yourself over here. If you're seeking an answer from him, then you should believe in him. And if you don't believe in him, you say you believe in your book, then why don't you follow your book? And the problem was that their book also they were not sincere to. Why? Because they had changed the law of the book as well. Remember the case of murder, where a person was murdered and that person belonged to a very noble tribe and they didn't wish to implement the law of Qisas on him, they wanted to spare his life. This is why they went to Muhammad wasallam. So with regards to that issue, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَكَتَبْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ And we had already ordained for them. Where? In the Torah. فِيهَا In it, meaning in the scripture that they had been given, they were given a certain law. And what was that law? أَنَّ النَّفْسَ بِالنَّفْسِ That life for a life. Which means that if a person takes the life of another, then what will happen? As punishment, his life will be taken. Likewise, وَالْعَيْنَ بِالْعَيْنِ And the eye for the eye. 
which means that if a person injures, wounds the eye of another, then as punishment what will happen? His eye will be injured and wounded in the same way. وَالْأَنْفَ anfi And the nose for the nose. Same thing, that if a person injures the nose of a person, then as punishment, his nose will be injured. وَالْأُذُنَ بِالْأُذُنِ And the ear for the ear. That if a person cuts off the ear of a person, injures it, wounds it, then the same thing will be done to him. وَالسِّنَّ بِالسِّنِّ And tooth for a tooth. Imagine that if a person breaks the tooth of another, his tooth will be broken. Because there is no tolerance for such violent behavior. If you cause an injury to someone, then the same will be done to you as well. وَالْجُرُوحَ And for all wounds, plural of jarh. What does that mean? Wound, injury. So for all kinds of wounds, there is qisas, there is legal retribution. And we have done the word qisas earlier. What does it mean? That exact punishment as the injury that was caused, as the violence that was done to another. So if a person hurts someone, slaps someone, then he will be slapped. If a person punches someone, he will be punched. If a person injures someone, he will be injured. The damage that he caused to someone, the same damage will be done to him as punishment. So وَالْجُرُوحَ قِصَاص So over here, Allah says the exact same law was given in the Torah. And they didn't want to follow this law, which is why they came to Muhammad wasallam, hoping that he would give them the verdict of diyah, of blood money. That no qisas will be taken over here, the man's life will be spared. Instead, he should pay the blood money to the victim's family. But Muhammad wasallam gave the exact same ruling as found in the Torah, because this is the same ruling that is given in the Qur'an as well. In the Qur'an, what do we learn? Al-hurru bil-hurri wal-abdu bil-abdi wal-unsa bil-unsa. Meaning, the free for free, slave for slave, female for female. In other words, if a person has committed murder, then he will be held responsible, not somebody else in his place. And this law, by the way, is still present in the Torah. In Deuteronomy 19.21, it is said, Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. The exact same thing is mentioned in the Torah. In Leviticus 24.20, it is said, Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. The one who has inflicted the injury must suffer the same injury. And today what is said to the Muslims? You guys are so barbaric. Huh? You guys are so barbaric. Whereas in the Torah, the exact same law is given. But it's amazing. The same people claim to be the adherents of the book. But are they adhering to the book? No, they're not. And those who are trying to adhere to the book, they're criticized for their adherence. They're criticized for their sincerity to the book of Allah. So Allah says it's the same law. And He repeats the law over here in the Qur'an. That this law was given to the people of the book. Why this law was given to the people of the book and to the people of the Qur'an, of Qisas? Because when it comes to human life, human life is very, very sacred. And if the murderer is not stopped, if he's not punished, if a person is not held responsible for violent behavior, then what will happen? This violence will continue and it will only increase as we see in the world today. That the zalim, the person who is extending his hand out to hurt someone, he must be stopped right there. And if he's not stopped, 
he commits the act of injustice, then he has to be held responsible. Don't side with the violent one. Rather, punish him. And punish him how? In the same way. The harm that he caused to someone else, the same harm should be done to him. Because it is only then that a person can learn a lesson. Otherwise, he cannot learn. Because then what will happen? The people who have a lot of wealth, they will get away with any crime. Because they will think, okay, I can give $500, who cares? I can give $1,000, who cares? I can give $50,000, what's the big deal? And then they can continue in their sin. But if their nose is cut off because they cut off somebody else's nose, if their ear is cut off because they cut off somebody else's ear, then they will learn a life lesson. They will learn a life lesson. And you know sometimes when children, they fight amongst each other. And one because he's stronger, she may be older, she may be more courageous. One child may be unfair to the other. Correct? So in this case, what has to be done? The child has to be taught a lesson that if the same thing was done to you, how would you feel? The other day, I implemented this law at home. How? That my son, he took my daughter's hijab. And she just loves to play with it. He took it and she's crying, crying. Batta, dubatta, batta, I want my batta, right? She's crying and I was praying at that time. He took it and threw it behind the bed. Children do this, right? When something's gone behind the bed, tell me, is it easy to access it? It's not. And now the poor child is just crying and he's just sitting there waiting for me to say salam and expecting some kind of reaction from me. So I said, okay, give me your socks. He loves his socks. I'm like, give me your socks. I took his socks and I said, okay, let's put them behind the bed. He's like, don't put them behind the bed. Because he knows once something is gone there, he can't take it out. He's at the mercy of his dad to come home and pull the bed and then take it out. I said, no, you put your sister's hijab there, we're going to put your socks there. Because that's how she feels. That's how she feels. And then he's like, no, but I don't want them to go. And he's like, okay, then what should we do? He's like, maybe you can pull the bed and I can take it out. He's like, maybe we can do this and we can take the hijab out. I'll help you and you. So he came up with so many different ways to take that hijab out for his sister because he learned, you know, that how would I feel if my socks were there? This is how she feels when her hijab is there. So sometimes this lesson needs to be taught to people. This is at a very small scale. But this is how it begins, this is how it grows, this is how it escalates. Who is a believer? He loves for others what he loves for himself. And part of that is that he hates for others what he hates for himself. If you don't want something to be done to you, don't do it to others. So before you say some words to someone, think about it. Would you like to hear those words? Before we write something to someone, think about it. Would we like to read those words? Before we do something to someone's belongings, to someone's property, think about it. Would you like that to be done to your belonging, to your property, to your car? You know, sometimes we leave garbage in people's cars. They're giving us a ride, so we leave our water bottle, we leave our napkins, we leave our stuff. And then what happens? At the end, they are left with such a messy car with so much mess to take care of. Would you like that to happen to your car? Never. If we go to somebody's house and make it dirty, 
not care about their furniture, about the things in their house. Think about it. Would you like that to be done to your house, to your belongings? Never. So don't do to someone what you don't want to face yourself, what you don't want to experience yourself. فَمَنْ تَصَدَّقَ بِهِ Then whoever does sadaqa with it. Tasadaqa from charity. Meaning whoever gives up his right as charity. Who? The victim. So for example, someone has been injured. His tooth got broken. And so his whole facial expressions have changed and he's not able to pronounce certain sounds properly. Because sometimes when the teeth are not in order, if a tooth is missing, if a tooth is broken, it's difficult to pronounce certain letters. I know of a girl who had a missing tooth for the longest time and she couldn't afford to have another one in its place. And she would find it difficult to recite the Qur'an properly. So somebody I know, they had her tooth replaced and as a result she started reciting the Qur'an properly. Her seen, you know, her tha, her sad, everything, mashallah, it became fine. So when someone has been harmed this way, they have been injured this way, and justice was not done, or even if there was a chance to establish justice, to take revenge, but he says, it's okay, it doesn't matter. I forgave the wrongdoer. You know that you say they were really angry, or they didn't realize what they were doing, or it was an accident, so khalas, it's okay. فَمَنْ تَصَدَّقَ بِهِ فَهُوَ كَفَّارَةُ اللَّهِ Then that is expiation for him. Meaning that because of that forgiveness, Allah will forgive him. Because he forgave the injustice of someone, then Allah will forgive his injustice. وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ But whoever does not judge by what Allah has revealed, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ Then those are the wrongdoers. Those are the zalim. So what do we learn over here? That not judging according to Allah's law is injustice. Injustice against who? Against others. Because Allah's law is the most just law. And if you don't follow that law, if you follow some other kind of law, you can never ever establish justice. Because if someone has killed another, and what's his punishment? A person has killed, let's say, 11 members of one family, or for instance, he has killed half of an entire extended family, he's killed children, women, old people, absolute innocence, and he burns their bodies. And what's his punishment? Just life in prison. That's it. He can be watching television over there, he could be reading things over there, he could be walking around, eating different kinds of food. That's his punishment, to stay in the prison. Is that justice? No. That's not justice. What's justice? That when he killed others, he made others experience death and suffering, then he is made to feel the exact same thing. So remember this. Every other law than the law of Allah is not just and fair. The only law that is just and fair is which one? Allah's law. Because Allah Himself is Al-Adl. He Himself is the one who is most just. So what He will command is also justice. وَقَفَّيْنَا عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ بِعِيسَى بْنِ مَرْيَمْ And we sent following in their footsteps. In whose footsteps? Previously who was mentioned? If you go back to verse number 44. 
And what happened? Musa alayhi salam, he judged according to it. And after him, what happened? The prophets and the Rabbaniyun, the rabbis and the ahbar, the scholars, they used to judge for the people of the Torah, meaning for the Bani Israel, according to the Torah. Because that was the law. So even years and years after Musa alayhi salam, decades after him, if a prophet came, which law would he abide by? Which law would he implement? The law of the Torah. Likewise, any messenger that came, he would establish the law of the Torah. Now after all of them, who came? Who was the final messenger from the Bani Israel? Isa alayhi salam. So Allah says, وَقَفَّيْنَا عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِمْ We sent following in their footsteps who? Isa ibn Maryam. Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam. And what did he do? He did the same thing that the previous prophets before him did. Meaning he also established, followed, observed, adhered to the law of the Torah. How do we know that? Because he was musaddiqan, confirming the truthfulness of what? Lima bayna yadayhi. Of that which was before him. Mina Torah, of the Torah. So he confirmed the truthfulness of that which was sent before him, meaning the Torah. And how did he confirm its truthfulness? How did he say that the Torah is true? How do you say that something is true? When you literally say it, with regards to the book of Allah, that it is from Allah. And secondly, when you live by it, when you act according to it. Because when you take something, when you use it, when you implement it, that means you say that it is right. You believe it is right. But if you leave it, you discard it, you say, no, no, this is not for me, I'm not going to do it. This has this problem in it, that problem in it. Then you say that this is not true. So, he was musaddiqan lima bayna yadayhi min at-tawrah. But obviously, the book was corrupted by them to a great extent. So, yes, he observed it, but there was also some new commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him, which وَآتَيْنَاهُ الْإِنْجِيلِ Which were found where? In the Injil. We gave him the Injil. فِيهِ هُدًا وَنُورٍ In which was guidance and light. Again, the same thing is mentioned with regards to the Injil that was mentioned with regards to the Torah. The Torah had huda, nur. The Injil also had guidance and light. Because light, what does it do? It repels darkness. What is darkness? Ignorance, following the desires, a lawless land, no civilization, no law and order. So the Injil brought light. وَمُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ مِنَ التَّوْرَةِ And the Injil, that also confirmed the truthfulness of the Torah. That the Torah is from Allah. وَهُدًا And guidance. Again guidance is mentioned. When do you mention a characteristic of someone repeatedly? Again and again. When it is very obvious. When it is very important. When you want to emphasize it. So it was a source of guidance for the people. وَمَوْعِضَةً And instruction, advice, admonition. What kind of advice is مَوْعِضَةً? Heart-touching. Heart-changing. Right? Something that really affects the heart. So it contained مَوْعِضَةً for who? لِلْمُتَّقِينَ For only the people of taqwa. Because many found knowledge and information. But everyone did not change because of the Injil. Why? Was there a problem with the message of the Injil? Was there a problem with the style of Injil? Was there a problem with the content of Injil? 
No, the problem was where? In the hearts of people. They lacked taqwa. And this is something that we need to really pay attention to. There is no problem with the book of Allah. It is the most effective advice. It is the best admonition. But yet, if a person does not change, then the problem lies here. Not in the book of Allah. Because the book of Allah is mawidah للمتقين for the people of taqwa. وَلْيَحْكُمْ أَهْلُ الْإِنْجِيلِ Allah says, and let the people of the Injil judge by. Earlier, the people of the Torah, they came to Muhammad wasallam seeking a verdict. Now Allah addresses the people of the Injil as well, the people of the Gospel, meaning the Christians. That they should also, يَحْكُمْ They should also judge according to what? بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ According to that which Allah has revealed in it. In what? In the Injil. Meaning if they claim that they are believers of Injil, they claim that they are followers, adherents of Injil, then they should abide by the law of Injil. What kind of belief is this? Belief is what? That you confirm the truthfulness of something, you accept it, and you submit. Iman is what? Tasdiq ma'al qubul wal id'an. It is to confirm the truthfulness of something, along with accepting it, and submitting to it, surrendering to it. Because if a person says, yeah, it's right, it's true, but I'm not going to follow it, I don't accept it, then what use is his confirmation? Nothing. Because we see, there were many people at the time of Muhammad wasallam who when they heard the Qur'an, they said, yeah, it's true, it's right. Which is why they would come secretly, privately, to hear the recitation of the Qur'an. They knew it to be true. But did they accept? Did they say that yes, we believe in it? No, they didn't. Did they surrender? Did they submit to it? No, they didn't. So if confirmation is not followed up by acceptance and submission, that is not iman. It is not enough to say, the Qur'an is the word of Allah. What is required is that we say, the Qur'an is the word of Allah. I accept it as the word of Allah and I will follow it because it is the word of Allah. Which means that I will change my opinions according to this book. I will do what this book requires of me. So the people of Injil, they say, we believe in Injil. But if they don't abide by its laws, rather they keep changing them, revising them, then is that believing in Injil? Is that following Injil? No, that's not following Injil. So Allah says, وَلْيَحْكُمْ أَهْلُ الْإِنْجِيلِ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ What Allah has revealed in it, they should follow it. Now a person might say, does this mean they have to follow it today? No. This doesn't mean that they're being told to follow it right now. Basically they're being woken up from their ignorance, from their heedlessness. Then look at yourself, what are you doing? Because... The thing is that the people of the book, they abandoned the Qur'an on the basis of what claim? That we have the book. We don't need the Qur'an. We already have our gospel, our scripture, and قُلُوبُنَا غُلْف Our hearts are full of knowledge. We don't need this Qur'an. This is what they said and this is what they say today. So if you say that you don't need the Qur'an, Because you have the Torah, because you have the Injil, 
then live by the Torah, live by the Injil. So, وَلْيَحْكُمْ أَهْلُ الْإِنْجِيلِ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ And whoever does not judge according to what Allah has revealed, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ Then such people, they're the sinful ones. They're the disobedient ones. They're the ones who are crossing their limits. Why? Because any law other than the law of Allah, what does it promote? Fisq, disobedience. How? Disobedience to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because then you're contradicting the law of Allah. When you disobey Allah concerning such an obvious matter, such a big matter, such a big issue, for example, the case of murder, a case of theft, then what will you do when it comes to little, little things? When it comes to private things, will you obey Allah or will you disobey Him there? Obviously a person will disobey Him there. وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ Allah says, and we have revealed to you the book. Which book? The Qur'an. After Torah, after Injil, Allah says, and O Muhammad wasallam, we have revealed to you the book. How? Bilhaqqi. In truth. Meaning, containing the truth. Everything about the Qur'an is haqq. The entire Qur'an is haqq. Every word of it is haqq. It is true. وَبِالْحَقِّ أَنزَلْنَاهُ وَبِالْحَقِّ نَزَلْ With the truth, it has descended. Meaning it has brought only the truth, only facts, only that which is correct. And this Qur'an, مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ It confirms the truthfulness of that which is before it, of the book. Meaning every scripture before it, it confirms the truthfulness. In what respect? That they are from Allah. But does it mean that the Qur'an is according to the previous books? That if there are alterations, changes in the book, the laws of Allah have been corrupted, in the Qur'an those same corrupted laws are there? No. That's not what the meaning of musaddiq over here is. Musaddiq here means that the Qur'an says that yes, the Torah was from Allah. The Injil was from Allah. The Zabur was from who? Allah. This is how it confirms their truthfulness. And the Qur'an, in addition to all this, is also وَمُهَيْمِنًا عَلَيْهِ It is also a criterion over it. Over what? Over all the previous scriptures. What does this word muhaymin mean? This is new. Al-muhaymin is also one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is very important that we know what al-muhaymin means. Muhaymin basically is from haymana. Haymana, ha-mimnun, haymana, means to control and protect. To control and to protect. To watch over, to preserve to look after, to be hakim over something, to be the amin, hakim meaning uh, judge, having authority, likewise amin, someone to look after, muhafiz, watcher, protector. This is what haymanah means. So when it comes to the Qur'an, what does it mean by muhaymin? That the Qur'an is muhaymin over the previous scriptures that it guards it preserves, it restores the original message of the books. What was the original message of the books that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed? In essence, what was it? That worship Allah and i'budullah wajtanibuttahud. Worship Allah and avoid all false gods. This was the basic message of all the previous scriptures, of every revelation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent. Now tell me something. 
this message may be corrupted in the previous books. For example, there may be statements in the Injil, in the Torah that lead to shirk. But the Qur'an, does it preserve the message of Tawheed? Very well, very clearly. So many verses, what do they emphasize? The oneness of Allah. What do they make clear? That if a person does shirk, his deeds are rejected. So the Qur'an, it has preserved, it has restored, it has guarded the original message of the previous scriptures. Likewise, the previous scriptures, what message did they contain? Warning of the Day of Judgment. Now again, this message may have been corrupted by many people over centuries, even in the scripture. But the Qur'an has preserved the original message in the correct way, in the correct manner. That we learn that on the Day of Judgment, some people will go to Jannah, other people will go to Hellfire. Every person will be held responsible for his deeds. A person will meet his result. A person will meet his consequences. Every deed will be taken account of. So this message, is it preserved in the Qur'an? Very clearly. There is no doubt about it. It has been explained in so much detail. Every aspect of it has been explained. So likewise, messages concerning previous prophets, their stories, their accounts, they may have been altered, they may have been corrupted in the previous scriptures, but in the Qur'an, the stories have been mentioned, بالحق. Like for example, the story of the two sons of Adam, Habil and Qabil. We learned about that story. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, that وَثْلُ عَلَيْهِمْ نَبَأَ بُنَيْ آدَمَ How? بِالْحَقِّ Relate to them the story of the two sons of Adam. How? According to the truth. The story of Yusuf a.s. Related? Absolutely in truth. The accounts of Ibrahim a.s. Likewise, Hud a.s. Sulaiman a.s. Nuh a.s. They have been preserved in the Qur'an correctly and accurately. The true accounts have been lost in the previous scriptures. Major details have been removed or they have been changed, they have been altered. For example, Dawood a.s., Sulaiman a.s., he's not mentioned as a prophet of Allah right now in the Bible. But in the Qur'an we learn that who were they? Prophets of Allah. So the Qur'an guards and preserves, it restores the original meanings of the previous books, the original messages of the previous books, the message that was lost, that was distorted, that was changed. And the Qur'an being muhaymin also means that it prevails over the previous scriptures. Because hayman is also to control, right? So it prevails over the previous scriptures. And what does that mean? What does that mean? That if there is something that the Qur'an mentions, and the previous scriptures, they give a completely different account. For example, the story of Adam a.s. It's mentioned in a slightly different way in the Bible. The story of creation, it's mentioned in a different way. Like we learn in the Qur'an that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens and the earth, وَلَمْ يَعْيَ And He did not get tired. But in the Bible, what's mentioned? That He rested. He got tired, so He rested. So, there's a contradiction over here. What will prevail? The Qur'an. Why? Because the previous scriptures distorted. But the Qur'an, it is not distorted. It is from Allah, 
preserved, Allah Himself has taken the responsibility to preserve this book. So the Qur'an is muhaymanan alayhi. It is, you can say, abrogator of the previous books. Nasikh, abrogator of them. So now, when this is the case, then what will happen? People should seek judgment from where? They should seek the truth from where? The Qur'an. Because it has restored, it has preserved, it prevails, and the previous books are not like that anymore. فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ Therefore, O Prophet ﷺ, judge between them. Between who? The people. Whether they are Muslim or the people of the book, if they come to you seeking a verdict, then you should judge between them according to what? Bima anzal Allah. According to what Allah has revealed. And what is that? The Qur'an. Did Allah not reveal the Torah, the Injil? Yes, He did. But their message has been altered. Therefore, if there is anything that contradicts the Qur'an, it will be left. If there is anything that is in conformity with the Qur'an, it will be taken. And if there is something that the Qur'an is silent about, then it can be left or it can be taken. So, فَحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهِ Judge between them according to what Allah has revealed. وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ And do not follow their desires. What does it mean by this? Do not follow their desires. What are their desires? The changes that they have made in the book. The additions that they have made in the book. So don't follow their desires. Don't do what they tell you to. Rather follow the book of Allah. وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ عَمَّا جَاءَكَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ Away from that which has come to you of the truth. Because if you follow their desires, then this will take you away from the truth. So your concern should not be to make them happy, to please them. Rather it should be to observe the book of Allah correctly and properly. Now a person may wonder that if the Torah is from Allah, the Injil is from Allah, the Qur'an is from Allah, yes, where there are many similarities, but in some situations we see clear differences. For example, alcohol. It has been legalized by the people of the book. They consume it. But in the Qur'an, it is clearly mentioned that it is not permissible. Because Allah says, فَهَلْ أَنْتُمْ مُنْتَهُونَ Will you stop now? Meaning better stop. Don't consume it. Likewise, their method of prayer may be different. There are differences between us and them. Where there are many similarities, there are also some major differences. Those major differences, one cause is that yes, they have changed the law. They altered it. They revised it. But another cause is that it is different. Another reason is that yes, they were given a different rule and we have been given a different rule. They were given a different law and we have been given a different law concerning that issue. Why? If it's from Allah, should it not be identical? Should it not be the same? Tell me, if it's from Allah, should it not be the same? Technically, yes. So then why is it different? Different times, different circumstances. Anything else? Okay. Different culture. Different situations, I mean, think about it. The Bani Israel started when? Yusuf came when? Thousands of years ago. Ibrahim came when? Thousands of years ago. And Muslims are living now in a completely different age. So there will be differences in the law. Why? Because the situations are different. Circumstances have changed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests people in different ways. So Allah says, لِكُلِّنْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شِرْعَةً وَمِنْ هَاجًا To each of you, لِكُلِّنْ To each, 
meaning each nation, the nation of Musa a.s., the nation of Isa a.s., the nation of Muhammad a.s., go back in time, the nation of Nuh a.s., go further back, people of Adam a.s., different law. It is said that at the time of Adam a.s., Hawa, every time she became pregnant, she gave birth to twins. One would be male and the other would be female. And what would happen is, that obviously, those children had no cousins. They had no other people whom they could get married to, so they had to get married amongst themselves. So what would happen is that the male of one twin pair would marry the female of another twin set, and vice versa. So this is how marriage took place. Now, is that permissible today? Not at all. Why? Because the situation is different. The circumstances are different. Like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed everything through His wisdom and He knows His people the best. And so if He were to reveal the laws of the Qur'an to Bani Israel, He knows there would be just complete rejection. Mm -hmm. And even in the Qur'an, those verses have been abrogated where alcohol was permissible because he, it was His mercy to just kind of slowly wean them into His laws yes. because He knows His people the best. Exactly. So, لِكُلِّنْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ to each nation, for every people we made, shir'atan wa minhaja. I just want to add to the previous point that my sister just mentioned. There is another example of uh, nest that um, during uh, Hazrat Maryam time, and Maryam was devoted to the Hekel yes. to service God, and there was a tradition of devoting their children, male or female, to the mm-hmm. to Hekel. So Rahbaniyat was in at that time. Yes. It was allowed, but during Islam, I mean, there's no Rahbaniyat now. It was not allowed. Exactly. Previously, this was permissible, and now it is not. The law has changed. Um, I just want to say that um, a lot of like societies have tried to ban like things like alcohol and prostitution and slavery, and it just completely backfired. But it's amazing that Allah did it in a way that it worked. Yes, it's so amazing yes. because yeah, it was gradual and it totally worked. Yes. So لِكُلِّنْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شُرْعَةً وَمِنْهَاجًا to each nation. Because of its unique circumstances, unique situation, unique set of weaknesses and strengths, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a unique shira wa minhaja. What is shira? Law. And what is minhaj? Method. Shira is from the root letter sheen ra'in, and shadir is basically the path to a water source. A source of water, like for example a spring or a well or a pond, a lake or something like that. Because people repeatedly go there, what happens is that a path naturally comes about. So from this sharia is the way of life, the law. Because it is the path that takes you to your eternal life. When you live it, when you observe it, then it takes you to your eternal life. Because water is also a source of life, right? It's a source of nourishment. So when a person observes the law that Allah has given, then he receives eternal life and happiness in paradise. So, shira is the law. Minhaj, on the other hand, from nun hajim, is used for an open, clear, wide path. So, minhaj refers to the clear practice. The clear practice. So, what's the difference between shira and minhaj? You can say that shira is law as in what to do. And minhaj is the practice as in how to do. So for example, the Qur'an 
It contains the law. So that is what? Shira'ah. And the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, it tells you how to practice the law. So that is like minhaj. So, لِكُلِّنْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شِرْعَةً وَمِنْهَاجًا Each people were given a different set of laws and a different methodology based on their unique circumstances, based on their unique situations. Not that the source of the law is different. No. But because the people were in different situations. Think about it. One country, different provinces. But in each province, is the tax the same? Is it? No. It's not. Likewise, health benefits, are they the same? No. Traffic laws, are they the same? No. They're different. Why? You might say, but it's the same country. If something is applicable in Ontario, it should be applicable in Alberta as well. I'm a Canadian. I want to be a Canadian everywhere. No, you have to follow the specific law of the land. Because your land is different from other lands. Even if you're from the same country, yes. Even if you're from the same country. The geography is different. Likewise, the political system might be slightly different. The circumstances may be different. And this is the reason why the rules are different. Not extremely, but there are minor differences. So these differences have existed between the shara'ir that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed. So, لِكُلِّنْ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شِرْعَةً وَمِنْهَاجًا وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ And if Allah wanted, لَجَعْلَكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا He could have made you a single nation. Meaning, to Adam alayhi salam, He could have given the Qur'an. And from that time, the Qur'an could have been preserved. And the message of the Qur'an should have been implemented. But tell me, was it possible for Adam alayhi salam to implement the Qur'an? No, not possible. For Nuh alayhi No, not possible. For Musa alayhi Again, not possible. For Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Definitely. Because the situation is different. So, وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ لَجَعَلَكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدًا Allah could have made you a single nation. وَلَكِنْ But He didn't do so. He gave you different rules, different laws. Why? لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ So that He can test you. فِيمَا آتَاكُمْ Through what He has given you. He is testing you through the commands that He has given you. The Bani Israel were tested through the laws that they were given. And we are being tested through the laws that we are given. Which means that the law, the Islamic law is what? A test. For who? For the Muslims. What test? How is it a test? That do we follow it or not? Now the thing is that there could be some things which were very easy for the Bani Israel to follow. But if we were asked to do it today, it would be impossible for us. Or vice versa. It could have been very difficult for them to do, but if we were given the same command, it would have been very easy for us, very simple. But why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them those commands which they found difficult? Some of them, not all of them, because He's testing them. Likewise for us, why are we given certain commands which we find difficult? Because, you know, we might say, well, you know, we're talking about how the circumstances have changed. So it's been 1400 years since the Qur'an came, so why isn't the Qur'an revised by now? Shouldn't there be a modern interpretation? Because the situation has changed, the circumstances have completely changed. Yes, they have changed. But the law is still applicable. And if you find it difficult, 
then remember that it's a test. If you find it difficult, then remember that it is a test for you. You think that wearing hijab today is difficult for you? And it was very easy for people back then? It wasn't easy for people back then. You know how the women of Arabia, how they would go about outside? They would wear necklaces especially. Like a lot of zina around their necks. And their clothes would be very decorated on the chest, around the neck. They would put on a shawl over their head and they would put it behind their shoulders. They would leave it behind their shoulders. And like typically Indian Pakistani brides are dressed. Like their neck and their face and their chest, like it's decked up. And a shawl is placed over the head, but it's thrown back. So this is how the women of Arabia, common women, they would dress up and they would go about. You think it was easy for them to bring that shawl down and wrap it up over their front and bring down their veils onto their chests? In the Qur'an, very clearly Allah says, وَلْيَضْرِبْنَ بِخُمُرِهِنَّ عَلَى جُيُوبِهِنَّ And they should take their shawl and put it over their chest. They should cover their chest with it. Not just with the clothes that they're wearing, but the hijab that they're wearing, they should bring it down on their chest so that their chest is covered. You think that was easy for them? Not at all. But it's easy for who? Those who submit to Allah. So don't think that just because the times have changed, it is more difficult for you. Okay, yes, it might be more difficult. But remember that it was also difficult for people back then. And remember that the law is something through which Allah tests us. We claim to believe. But do we actually submit and surrender? Do we actually accept and follow? Or do we make the excuse? Not applicable today. Not possible today. Can't do it. وَلَكِنْ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ فِيمَا آتَاكُمْ He's testing you through the law that He's given you. So what should be your focus? فَاسْتَبِقُ الْخَيْرَاتِ Rush, run, race to all that is good. فَاسْتَبِقُ Istabaqa, سِينْ بَاقَافِ What does it mean? To get ahead. And istabaqa is to race. When you're racing, what's your goal? That you want to get ahead of the people who are racing with you. If one person has done 10, you want to do 20. If they've done 50, you want to do 100. You want to get ahead of them. If one person has read three pages, you want to read five pages. If one person has done two assignments, you want to get done three or four or all. So, فَاسْتَبِقُوا Allah says, race and rush in what? In الْخَيْرَاتِ In goodness. And what is goodness? That which Allah has revealed. So your goal, your aim in life, should not be analyzing this law, that law, what is better, what is not better, is it applicable, is it not applicable? No, leave all this debate, leave all this argument. Focus on the main objective. And what is that? Do what Allah is telling you to do. فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ Because the Sahaba, their focus was not on, okay, but what do the Jews do? Okay, but what do the Christians do? Okay, but what does the Bible say? Okay, but if it's difficult, then is there some kind of forgiveness over here or some kind of compromise over here? No, this was not their focus. What was their focus? Samirna wa ata'na. Which is why the day when the verses of hijab were revealed, you know what happened? During the night, lamps were lit in the Muslims' houses. Why? Because the women were stitching up their hijabs. They were fixing their hijabs so that they could wear them at Fajr time when they go to the masjid. 
This is called fastabiqul khairat. They didn't wait until the next day and say, so is this okay if I do like this? No. They didn't wait until the next day to go to the Prophet wasallam and say, so is this hijab okay? Is it okay if I'm not really wearing a hijab but I'm wearing loose clothes and I'm you know, not really wearing any makeup and I'm just going about like that? Is it okay if I'm going and there's no men who are looking at me? You know, in North America, men really don't stare at you. And when you go to Middle East, then that is where men stare at you. So is it okay if I go without hijab? Is it okay if it's my cousin who comes to my house? And is it okay if this happens and that? No. What was their reaction? فَاسْتَبِقُ khayrat. Allah revealed the command to do hijab. Okay, what am I going to wear tomorrow? What am I going to wear when I go out of the house tomorrow morning at fajr time to the masjid? This is called فَاسْتَبِقُ khayrat. So Allah says فَاسْتَبِقُ khayrat. When can a person do this? When he remembers إِلَى اللَّهِ مَرْجِعُكُمْ جَمِيعًا To Allah is your return altogether. I'm going alone to Allah. Everyone is going, and despite the fact that everyone is going, I will be alone. I will face Allah alone. إِلَى اللَّهِ مَرْجِعُكُمْ جَمِيعًا فَيُنَبِّئُكُمْ So He will inform you بِمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلِفُونَ Concerning that which you used to differ. Because differences are there. And they will always remain. One person says, you can wear such kind of hijab. One person says, you don't need to wear hijab. Another person says, you have to wear jilbab. Another person says, you have to wear niqab. Niqab, jilbab, hijab, this, that. Ikhtilaf. And all these words, even they confuse you. You thought modest clothing was sufficient. And here you are hearing all these complicated terms. And you wonder, is this length of my skirt okay? Is this print on my hijab appropriate? So you go get into all these debates, all these arguments and differences. Complicated. Which is why they said the fiqh of women is what? Complicated. Right? So this ikhtilaf, it is there. And it will remain. And you can never solve it. Why? Because Allah has created people differently. They think differently. They look differently. Imagine if people's eyes are of different colors and shades. You think their views will be identical? Is it possible? Never. If people hear differently, you think they will understand? Same way. If the size of people's brains is not identical, meaning it's different depending on their size, then you think they will think in the same way? Never. So, when there are so many differences that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created in people, the fact is that the people can never be identical in their thinking, in their understanding, in their opinions, in their approach, in their interpretation. There will always be differences. So then you wonder, what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to do fastabiqul khayrat. Which means that what you find out, do it. When you learn that Allah has said something, then just do it. Don't go on saying, researching, okay, what has this shaykh said and what has that shaykh said? And this shaykh's wife, what does she do? This shaykh's daughter, what does she do? So I will do what his daughter does and I will do what his wife does. No. You have to do what Allah has said is khair. And what is khair? What Allah has revealed. فَاسْتَبِقُوا khayrat. And notice, rush and run. Because what happens is that when you're running and there happens to be Something in the way, then what will happen? If you're running, you will get past it very quickly. Then these distractions, they don't distract you. If you get tied up in something, you get freed very quickly. But if you're walking slowly, 
and every step you're taking with a lot of care, then every little thing bothers you, right? For example, if you're running on a path, you're running inside your house, then what will happen? As you run toward the main door, if you're running, you won't see the dirt on the floor, the hair on the floor, the dust on the floor. But if you walk like every woman does in her house, then she will notice everything on the floor and everything on the wall. Why do you think children don't notice these things? Because they're running all the time. And why do mothers notice all these things? Because they're walking with care and they're looking at everything. So when it comes to certain matters, it's good to pay attention to little, little things because you want to be careful. But when it comes to something good, then just rush to it. Just rush to it. فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ And you'll be fine. Let's listen to the recitation. وَكَتَبْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ فِيهَا نَفْسَ بِالنَّفْسِ وَالْعَيْنَ بِالْعَيْنِ وَالْأَنفَ بِالْأَنفِ وَالْأُذُنَ بِالْأُذُنِ وَالسِّنَّ بِالسِّنِّ وَالْجُرُوحَ قِصَاصٌ فَمَن تَصَدَّقَ بِهِ فَهُوَ كَفَّارَةٌ لَّهُ وَمَن لَّمْ يَحْكُم بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ وَقَفَّيْنَا عَلَىٰ آثَارِهِم بِعِيسَى ابْنِ مَرْيَمَ مُصَدِّقًا لِّمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ مِنَ التَّوْرَاةِ وَآتَيْنَاهُ الْإِنْجِيلَ فِيهِ هُدًى وَنُورٌ وَمُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ مِنَ التَّوْرَاةِ وَهُدًى وَمَوْعِظَةً لِلْمُتَّقِينَ وَلْيَحْكُمْ أَهْلُ الْإِنْجِيلِ بِمَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ فِيهِ وَمَنْ لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهُ فَأُولَئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ وَأَنْزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الْكِتَابَ بِالْحَقِّ مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَمُهَيْمِنًا عَلَيْهِ فَاحْكُمْ بَيْنَهُمْ بِمَا أَنْزَلَ اللَّهِ وَلَا تَتَّبِعْ أَهْوَاءَهُمْ عَمَّا جَاءَكَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ لِكُلٍّ جَعَلْنَا مِنْكُمْ شِرْعَةً وَمِنْهَاجًا وَلَوْ شَاءَ اللَّهُ لَجَعَلَكُمْ أُمَّةً وَاحِدَةً وَلَكِنْ لِيَبْلُوَكُمْ فِي مَا آتَاكُمْ فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ إِلَى اللَّهِ مَرْجِعُكُمْ جَمِيعًا فَيُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِمَا كُنْتُمْ فِيهِ تَخْتَلِفُونَ